1: It was hectic, but honestly, like one of the most amazing experiences. We were interns officially, but we were on paper and in actual fact, treated as full fledged members of the team, which were newly formed from other business units within Australia Post. And that was really cool just to put it into action.
0: Hello and welcome to Getting Started in Design and This Is Hate CD. My name is Gerry Scullion and I'm a designer, educator and the host of This Is Hate based in the wonderful city of Dublin, Ireland. The Getting Started in Design podcasts are created for people looking to break into design. We shine a light on that transitionary period between education and employment and try and understand what that experience is like for people trying to break into our industry. In my opinion, it is every designer's responsibility to be that person we wish we could have met when we were looking for our first break. Now, I caught up with Rowan Walsh, a UX designer from Port Macquarie in Australia, but now based in the Lebanon. We speak about Rowan's journey to get where he is currently, including internships at Australia Post, amongst others. Rowan is a truly awesome designer and person, filled with so much potential and quality in all areas of his life. And I know you're just going to love listening to his story. Let's get straight into it. Rowan, a very warm welcome to getting started in design. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, going well,
1: thanks. And you
0: I'm doing moderately okay. (laughs) Moderately okay these days. I'm looking forward to Christmas. Um, But we've been catching up. You know, I put a post out there on LinkedIn um, a couple of weeks ago, looking for graduates of design, um, trying to explore what their experience is like getting into the field of design and you were straight out of the blocks i had only hit send uh, and milliseconds later you had responded with uh and really choking it was it was a couple of days later you said you'd like to be interviewed and i was like absolutely so maybe for our listeners rowan um tell us a little bit about yourself and what you studied and where you studied and where you're coming from now
1: yeah for sure so I, um, I started off initially within um, product design out at um, Swinburne in Melbourne um, before moving over to industrial design uh, at RMIT, um, which was really good fun. I mean, what kind of drew me to it was seeing how design could be a reflection of a society at any given time. And in turn, there's that vice versa relationship um started off uh at rmit went on exchange to india got to see some um, really cool wow uh designs over there which was super fun learned how to sew um which made um you know mom and dad proud um super (laughs) fun and then came back and realized i needed to you know develop some uh visual communication skills and um yeah, did a diploma in graph design at RMIT as kind of a, a midway sabbatical before um, diving back into mm. industrial design and finishing off. Um, in the midst of that, I was also working within graph design and um, service design as well, doing some kind of design research roles. Um, and now I'm um, based over in Lebanon, where I've been for about four months now and working as a um, UX UI designer freelancing and freelancing in web design as well, which is uh, good fun.
0: Fantastic. Let's take a step back. Um, people will be like trying to sort of understand your accent a little bit. Um, you grew up in New South Wales, um, is that right? In northern New South That's Wales right. yep. as well. Yep. So Port Macquarie, a great town for anyone who's looking to visit uh, Australia. Port Macquarie must be on that list as well, especially if you're doing a travel from Sydney up to Byron or any of those kind of things, it's always worth the stop off. But tell us a little bit about what you were like in school. Um, You know, you mentioned that you studied industrial design first. Um, What were the strengths that you had and how did you find industrial design when you were doing your um, HSE? HSE is the believing.
1: Yeah, yep, you are correct. It's a really good question because I didn't actually look at um, design at all. I think as well, coming from like Mm. a a regional Australian town, like art, design, music, all those kind of more creative fields, they're not um, outrightly disdained, but there's nothing really kind of taking you there. Um, It's either you go into sciences or kind of humanities. Um, So Mm. in uh, year 12, I was um, weighing up between psychology um or engineering and design is somewhat in the middle of that like i always like to figure out how things worked and inspect objects and pull them apart um, and also just understand how people work and um, what motivates them so design for me is kind of smack bang in the middle there um and it wasn't mm-hmm. until you know a few years after universe after sorry high school that i um started looking into design as a as a pathway
0: okay so there was there was a gap there between school and university a couple of years
1: yeah I actually went into IT first funnily enough um, right. and uh, I, I remember in the first lecture um, in orientation you know, the the head of the program was saying half of you won't be here uh, next semester and I was thinking ha 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 um, I know what I'm doing but shock horror I didn't. Um, and yeah, it took a little bit you of time to get to industrial design. No, didn't I did finish yeah. the first year and then decided to change my tune.
0: Yeah, because I'm really interested in that whole kind of segue between um, high school, as I'd say probably globally, and university. How do people find that bridge into design school? Um, typically, what seems to happen is the students feel like they're the most artistic in their, in their year or the... The best performing drawers or illustrators, and they're automatically treated like okay, they they're the creative ones. They're they're set up to go to design school or something a little bit more kind of creative. Um, and that's not necessarily the case in this instance, which is which is good. You find your you found your way into industrial design. Um, well, it might have been taking you a couple of years, but it sounds like you you got into the the course that you were most happy with because you completed that one, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely it's um it wasn't something that was kind of traditionally that I'd be focused on. Like, I wasn't really uh I started off in product design at Swinburne um mm-hmm. because I I saw some really good it's definitely um a little bit of a stereotype, you know, you start to see like um IDEO or like Apple or those kind of like huge product design studios. Um, Mm -hmm. or just design studios and you think I want to work for them. Um, and then over time I started to kind of break down that notion after maybe, uh, just looking inward a little bit and thinking about why I wanted to go into design and what good, uh, being a, a designer from a developing country, a developed country going to a developing, um, and after going to Nepal and India started to kind of question that route and go into more digital research kind of side of things.
0: Because I was going to ask, you know, how did that change? Because it sounds like, you know, from speaking to you in the prelude here, there was a shift that happened somewhere between years two and four in your um, industrial design career. So talk to us a little bit more about how you managed to find yourself in India um, during the industrial design um, degree um, what did you see and also what led you to change? Like, what was the, the next step? Because there seems to be an awful lot of growth happening in the first five or six years of your, of your career. Personal growth, I mean.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it was the start of 2018. I went to, um, to Nepal um, on, a, uh, on a study tour um, to learn about human-centered design and that tour it was um really quite amazing met some really really um amazing designers and engineers and people who were working locally in Nepal um but it really led me to kind of look back on my own experiences in Australia and the the local problems that we have there and i changed my tune a bit um wanting to look more deeply into the problems that i understood rather than going to a whole new uh Country or place, and trying to create change, we can often be a little bit problematic. Um, And in India, I just—it was a really, really great time, just seeing um, the really rich um, crafts um, and textile design scene.
0: Um, And it just made me
1: hmm, going to think about that a little bit,
0: Mm. because it's really—I find it really fascinating—and I haven't had enough experience in this field. Where I'm, I'm Western educated. All my experience has been created from working in Western cultures, and then to go into a developing world, you almost see design through a different lens. Um, and how in the Western world it's all about creating, and you know generating new ideas and new things, whereas in the developing world it's really um, about fixing and really about. Understanding its yeah. place, and it seems to be a lot more considered. I think so. I think that um,
1: if you're if you're studying design, or if you're a protect, practitioner in the West, um, especially within universities, it's a very safe kind of ecosystem where I feel like there is almost a little bit of like a a narrative of you are a designer, you work in isolation, you can solve the world and its problems, and that's typically kind of manufactured through a product design, um, narrative, I guess. Um, and then you go over to, um, anywhere in the East and you start to see how these like mass manufactured so-called solutions, um, don't work or, are adversely affecting, um, people and their communities. And And there's this, Yeah, exactly. And there's this Mm -hmm. one concept which isn't, um, of course, unique to to India, but um, Jugad, which is like an ad hoc design. So you start to um, see how people take these kind of products that are uh, mass manufactured at scale, uh, believing that they solve a problem. And then you see how people on the ground are actually adapting them to uh, work better for them. And that was something I really, really enjoyed because you have both the top down and the bottom up working together and it's more of a kind of a communal um, effort to to make design Mm. work for them
0: so uh, i'm really enjoying um the the narrative here and where you're at in your career at this piece because like i had a similar trajectory when i when i finished university i kind of repositioned myself and i was like actually i don't know if i want to be part of the industrial design cult at that time it f- felt like it was trying to crack into a cult and I remember my people will probably heard the story before anyway in the podcast where my very first project was working for a camera company and I was like so excited I was like I was going to design digital cameras no 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 no. I was designing a blister pack for AA batteries and um, I was like how many of these are going to get made in like a million and I'm like I'm building something, designing something that I'm spending months on, a blister pack to hold four AA batteries, and it's going to end up in the ground. And I remember saying to myself, hmm, I don't think that's right. As a 23-year-old, I was like, I don't think this feels like the industry for me. It sounds like you were in a similar path um, where you, you were questioning your things. And I guess when you come back to Australia, you've kind of been somewhat enlightened to uh, human-centered design design generally what did that look like in terms of getting a job um because i'm really keen to understand um how you how you managed to find that fit and find the work that you found interesting based on this new kind of enlightened state
1: yeah for sure um it's a good question what happened once i came back um okay so when i was in india i was at um I was 23 at the time, and Mm -hmm. I was in the only government-funded design university in India, uh, the National Institute of Design. And this isn't to talk myself up whatsoever. It was more kind of the the huge gap that existed because over there, there is, um, what, there were 100 places and 50,000 people sit the, uh, the test to actually get admission into NID. Wow. So they're all hugely advanced in their technical skills. They know how to draw. They know how to render beautifully. Um, it is yeah. really, really quite amazing to see um, the <clears throat> skills that they have. Um, and that was something that coming back to Australia, I, I really felt like I didn't, I knew how to think. University helped me develop that, but I didn't know how to use any kind of, um, of the kind of industry tools. So mostly looking at like the Adobe suite, which is what I use for the most part now. Um, and yeah, I started to want to actually learn how to create a, a visually appealing and intuitive um, piece of information. Um, mm. and so I came back and just, dived into a year long course there um, at RMIT out in um in Brunswick in the inner north of Melbourne and that was yeah. really good because it was a good way for me to build from the ground up like I think honestly within design it's it's so often the case that you might have it a, like what you think is a great idea but you don't have the skills to actually bring it to life Um, Mm -hmm. and that was one of kind of the, the initial barriers I had with coming from a non-design background, um, within high school and then getting into design within a university context and same for, yeah, just coming back and realizing I was, wasn't really loving industrial design or didn't want to become a product designer. So I thought I might just Mm -hmm. change my tune a little bit and go more into the graphic and, um, information design space. Um, okay.
0: So... When you came back from India, you were going back into university. Is that
1: right? That's right. Yeah. So I had another um, two years of my degree um, to finish off.
0: Okay. But looking at your portfolio and your LinkedIn profile as well, it shows that you've been busy throughout. Okay. Um, You've been quite entrepreneurial, you've been taking on work and you've been working on side projects that were congruent to your studies as well. How did you manage all yeah. of
1: that? Well, it kind of kicked off when I got back. For the most part, I, I had a few attempts at, you know, trying to find internships in the first, like, second, or first, and second year of uni. Um, but just for a, a, I mean, for really with the circumstance, it just didn't end up um, eventuating into anything. Um, so I came back mm. and after having that um, diploma in graphic design under my belt. I um, was able to just go out there and, you know, go to like Melbourne Knowledge Week, go to Melbourne Design Week. I was really just trying to like soak up as much information as possible. And it was at um, one of those events, I, I met someone who needed a graph designer. And um, I actually ended up taking a contract um, with them for just under about two months, um, putting together some nice. infographics um, and a, a pitch deck. Um, which was really, really great to put it all into action. Um, that's what I think was really lacking um, in my own university experience, um, was that link to industry. Um, while it is often well-intended, it might not go um, according to plan. And
0: that's as it goes.
1: Yeah. Um, but I really just wanted to get out there and put the skills to the test.
0: I think that's one of the, the best things that, that graduates can do. if they're If they're working throughout... Even if it's just nixers, as they're called in Ireland, where little bits of work here and there, little, little pockets of opportunity to apply the learnings in a business scenario. When it comes to doing your portfolio at the very end, it shows that you're hungry and it shows that you're eager to learn. And it's not just looking to be handed to you on a plate, because I think in design, we're not um In the space where if you if you study marketing, you'll get a marketing junior's job, or if you study accounting, you'll go in and do an intake as, as a junior accountant. In design, it's still a little bit, and you, know, you have to forge your own look. And that's that's it's echoing what what I did as well. So I think um I'm keen to understand a little bit more in the interview process when you landed your your first job. I think post. Um, industrial design was that with uh street or was that with um the post australia post that would so street and australia post were
1: while i was still studying um they were summer jobs i guess so street being yeah yeah about um what four six weeks and then australia post being um three months and that was uh while i was juggling full-time study as well for the um the last part of it um for wow. the final 4 weeks. That's impressive um, Rowan, that's impressive stuff. it was hectic. Um but honestly yeah. like one of the the most amazing experiences being able to um we were uh we were interns officially but we were um on paper and um in actual fact like treated as full-fledged members of the team um which were newly formed yeah. from other business units within Australia Post. Um, and that was really cool just Great. to um, Yeah, just put it into action. But um, first design role after that was um, actually now that I'm here in in Lebanon, which was uh, working as a um, UX UI designer for an agency um, here um, just outside of Beirut. Um, So, yeah, I guess the, um, the challenges of that was first coming to a complete, obviously, like I am very well uh attuned to the design scene and design kind of language um within australia but coming to another country i mean it is definitely both a a pro and a con Um, yeah but you do kind of have to adapt as well to um how design is communicated um not even just how products are visualized but how you actually talk about design like if i said that i was a service designer um and often go to the the example of um, wayfinding in a hospital or in a airport or a supermarket or shopping center rather um that didn't really have the same kind of pull um so mm. i went back to you know the who really just like a painfully common one which is just like you know going for like food delivery services you talk through the various points that you go through and um how the food actually gets to your doorsteps and how uh how many hands it has to go through the orchestration Um, so yeah i guess um for me it was actually uh, it was a quite a short um process um Mm. in getting this role i had um one interview with the um the head of design here and we just kind of talked about my past experiences and got to know each other a little bit on a personal but also um as designers with how we kind of worked and um how we might be a potential fit um and from that uh went away with a um like a design challenge i guess um which was a task to be completed in um it was about three days um so that was actually creating. Do you want to tell us what the challenge was? A, yeah, it was creating a um. Can you remember? A a app design um for a fitness app um to the likes of kind of Duolingo where you can earn points and it's all kind of gamified um. So that was really cool. Nice. What did um, you use for that? I used. What did that look uh, like in terms of? Did I use? I used Adobe XD actually. When you say okay. what did that look like, I had to make all the um, the uh the elements and kind of adjust from previous projects and also um then make it um make it work so add all the functionalities and the um the links between the individual screens um so it was a pretty big few days um and then after that i had a um an interview with the um the ceo um and that was more just kind of finalizing and and talking about the um the contract and the offer and pay and all those um, key bits. Um, the
0: money. Yeah, since then I've exactly always a. Um, well, can I ask you? A bit of a I'm not going to ask you about. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you about the details of your, of your contract, but, but what tends to be one of the most problematic areas for anyone who's coming out of university is learning the language of how to negotiate. How was that experience? Um, and knowing what. Was reasonable to ask for. Can you remember going back to that time? What that looked like? How, how did you, how did you know that you weren't being duped? Um, because I know when I arrived into Australia second time, um, on my first gig, I was like, I don't know. This is this is two thousand six. I was like, I don't know if this is a good deal or a bad deal. I'm like, I think they look like good people. I think I'm going to sign this contract. Yes, I'm going to sign it. The pen is on the paper. I've signed it. I've signed it. Yeah, I signed it. I've got a job. So um, it was a little bit like that. I wasn't really prepared. Um, and as it turns out, it was an okay deal. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I guess for me too.
1: Um, you know, coming here to a different country, it wasn't really the exact role that I had my heart set on. Um, in mm-hmm. terms of the tasks that I'd be doing, but it was still going to be something where I could be um, learning and making impact and getting to know um, the local design scene. So yeah. Um, for me, what that kind of looked like, so was that in terms of like the actual negotiation and figuring out all,
0: yeah, that, I mean, all that stuff? You know, was there a negotiation or was it just a, an accepted thing? Like you've got a job, you've got an offer, I think I'll just take it. Like you know, you know, was there anyone helping you during that process of how to negotiate? Um, how did you handle the whole thing? Did you have to benchmark
1: yeah. against other things like that? Trying to figure out that side of things was a little bit complex. Um, luckily enough, I have my um, my partner um, who has worked here and um, comes from a business background himself. Um, so that was. Mm really quite good to have um that local kind of experience to to help kind of lead benchmark. me into the yeah into the like the negotiations and talk about what would be a reasonable offer also like knowing some designers here who have worked for varying companies they um they told me what the kind of range was to expect um so i did go in with um a range of what i was after um, mm. and they met me about midway for that. Um, and I personally felt it was a little bit of like, what I offered was the lower end of things because I know the situation here, um, mm. where, you know, people, uh, 70, 80% of the pe- of the population is living in poverty. I was really just trying to meet my like living costs, which is, yeah. which is quite minor. Um, yeah. So I did mention that I wanted um I would like a uh re-evaluation um in a few months' time yeah. to see you know if I'm performing well, if that can be um be raised later on down the line if there's room. Yeah. Um and thankfully they did meet me there, which was um quite good. So that fair. currently it's on a um yeah, it's on a three month basis and then we'll um re-evaluate from there. So
0: I'm okay. pretty happy with how it's gone. I mean That's cool. Well, Rowan. Thanks for, for first of all, coming on on the podcast. I know it's kind of a little bit intrusive in terms of like me asking you all these questions, what it was like. And, you you know, for our listeners to this specific podcast, Getting Started in Design, I'm told that it is fantastically useful for other people who are going through that journey as well and trying to understand what they need to be aware of. Um, and especially the fact that I can put a link to you as well, that they can reach out and ask questions. I'll put a link to your portfolio, um, in the show notes for this episode. Maybe, is it okay if we put a link to your LinkedIn as well, if people want to reach out and maybe ask you questions over there as well? Mm -hmm. I know people are going to have loads of questions. Absolutely. Well, look, Rowan, thanks for for giving me your time and energy today and for getting up so early. It's 5.30 in the Lebanon folks. It's probably closer to 6.30 now. Um, for you over there, but is there anything else you want to add before before we wrap up the episode, Rowan? Hmm.
1: That's the toughest question, I think.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me has been um, finding a community, um, especially if you're still within university. Like finding people <clears throat> who are talking your language, especially if you're studying like yeah. quite a broad degree. It can be a little bit hard to find people who are talking about the same kind of design you are um that's hugely helpful um because i know how big like imposter syndrome can be as a an emerging designer so actually having your your friends there who can um pat you on the back and reassure you that no this is like a good decision i can see why you've done this um and give you some constructive criticism in a really um safe and kind of friendly manner um, Yeah, that's the biggest thing that I think has helped me get to
0: where I am am today and where where I
1: continue to go.
0: It sounds like that's great advice. Um, But I think that's one of the biggest challenges for um, emerging talent to find their place, their new home, where they understand and they share that language of what design can be to make sure that you're on the right track for the future. Um, If you go into a business, they don't really get the same level of design as you. It's kind of very hard and you're going to feel very frustrated for a long time. And it sounds like you've navigated that world excellently. Excellently. There's another word for you folks. I don't know if it's in that. Um, but, you know, absolutely kudos to you. Um Keep us posted on how you're getting on. If you ever want to come back on to getting started in design and share anything else, Rowan, you're more than welcome to come back. I- I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Likewise. Thanks for having me on, Jerry. So there you have it. That's all for this episode. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisishcd.com, where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes, with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. Now, if you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders join the this is HCD newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network and also if you're interested apply to join the Slack community on this is hcd.com stay safe and until next time take care